Welcome to the Oddcast, brought to you by the Odyssey NFT Experience, seeking to deliver value to creators, collectors, DeFi natives, and DGENs. Every episode, we will speak with personalities across the space about all things NFT in an effort to celebrate, explore, and educate about the many facets of this incredible creator economy. I'm your host, Flame, and I'm here with a promise to keep it interesting, uplifting, and always odd. Let's get into it. Today, I have a special guest that I'll get to in a moment. But first, I'd like to give you a clear vision of what the Oddcast is all about. We are here to first and foremost celebrate the artists and innovators from all corners of the space within the Odyssey community and beyond. There will be news, there may be alpha, but there will be nothing that should ever be mistaken for financial advice. Always, always, always DYOR, friends. And with that, I would like to welcome our first incredible guest, Dimitri Danilov. Dimitri just launched the Genesis collection of the Odyssey Marketplace, and I will be speaking with him about that, his career as a pioneer in digital photography, and his trailblazing work in photogrammetry. Dimitri is probably best known for the iconic work that he created for artists like Daft Punk and companies like PlayStation, much of which people will be able to explore and learn about in his upcoming DDA collection. That's the Dimitri Danilov Archives collection. Definitely be on the lookout for that. Dimitri, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have this conversation. How are you? Hi, Flame. Thanks for the invitation. And I'm glad to be here as your first guest. So yeah, thanks for the invite. Oh, thank you so much for being here. First, I'd like to ask you, what attracted you to the art world in the first place? What was the spark that ignited your interest in being a creator? So I think uh, when I think about that, it's something that I've always had inside me and there is a little story actually i can't remember that i was maybe 10 years old something like that and my parents had this uh, this record from queen you know i think was news of the world with this kind of robot like stone robot or something like that and they had another record from a band called space where you can see like a naked woman floating on top of the desert. And I remember one day I had to do a collage and I cut off my parents' uh, Queen records. I just cut off some piece of it and just did my first collage using these these images from from these records. And I think that's the very origin of creation for me, where I realized that, wow, this is so great to be able to create your own images. Photoshop did not exist. I mean, that was back in the 80s or something like that. But this concept of using different images and create something that is not real, but you want it to be real, I think that was the very, very beginning of it. And that's where I can remember the first creation or the first kind of montage or collage or whatever you call it and how did your family feel about you cutting up those records (laughs) can you imagine i mean my my father it was mad like what have you done with my record and i was like yeah but it's just like i wanted to do and then when i show him what i did it was like okay i understand i mean it was it was mad because that was a record he likes, but he's, oh, he, he was also an artist, and uh, so he understand the point. And it was like, in the end, I think he was kind of happy. Oh, that's very cool. Well, I, I think it's probably lucky that he was an artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think my daughter would be doing the same. I, I, I would probably be mad at her, but then would be like, okay, if that's for a good reason, then why not? Is she an artist as well? Not yet, but uh, but she, I mean, she likes drawing. Oh, very cool. You've had a very storied history in digital photography. I know that basically you got started really at the beginning of digital photography. Is that right? Um, yeah, even, I mean, if I remember the very, very first montage uh, I did was back in the 2000. Uh, was a campaign for Marité and François Gerbeau. They were like jeans maker in France, like pretty big jeans maker. Uh, very avant-garde of the, the couture and uh, because they were doing like using laser cut and, and things like that. Uh, and I did this campaign back in 2000 where it was 
like models having like angels wings and the wings were made in 3d was fully 3d generated was made if i remember well we had to to work with uh, architecture studio and use a software that was probably autocad so it was not even for photoshop and photoshop at that time did not even exist and so i did this the photo the photo shoot was shot on the four by five camera and then probably had to do some kind of photoshop but before photoshop sticking these wings with the characters i mean with the models and create this whole campaign and that was the very very first uh, montage i did and then come back to digital back in 2003 so that was already three years later and with a little gap in between because at that time i mean photoshop and all was very um, very poor for the kind of quality we were needing in advertising so doing a little bit of things but very little until 2002 when i shot the playstation ads and uh, and the very first like big campaigns and uh, and this big montage where we had to to create this supermarket with uh with the hundred heads on the shelves I remember that image. That's definitely, in my opinion, a very iconic one as far as the earlier days of digital photography and digital advertising and being able to manipulate images in the way that you did. And it's wild to me that the software that you started out with was for engineers and architects, basically AutoCAD, that wasn't designed no. yeah. to be used for digital photography. That's really cool that you were so intent on creating these images that you found a way to do that before the software caught up to the work. And I'm assuming that the tech that you were using as far as cameras, those were some of the very first digital cameras that you could take those photographs with, yeah? So the, the very first campaign I was talking about with the wigs, that was not even digital. I mean, the image was shot on film. And uh, 4x5 camera is the, the very old style camera where if you've seen the movie, you see the guy hiding behind a curtain. I mean, like a black piece of... Uh, so that's the 4x5 camera. That, that's the camera I was using at that time that only gives you the, the ability to shoot frame by frame. So it's not like a 36 exposure film. On the 4x5 camera, you shoot one film and then you take it off and then put a second film and then take it off and then put a third film. And then, so it's a long process. I mean, it's a very heavy, but you get an amazing quality in terms of camera, but that's very not convenient to use. And digital, I started to shoot digital back in 2002. So at that time, if I remember, I think I was using the H20. It's phase one digital back. And H20 means 20 million pixel, which is what everyone has now. <laughs> so 20 million pixel at that time was like pretty small. So I had to combine two, three, four, five shots together to make a good size quality uh, image. And because advertising, when you need to do a billboard or, you know, like a very large image, uh, you need to do the quality to be very high and very dense in terms of uh, of pixels. Yeah, that makes sense. And as far as the 4x5, I imagine that really forced you to plan things out. It had to be so deliberate. That's exactly the thing. I mean, that's why I started to shoot 4x5. I would say it's very old school, uh, but the old work I was doing at the very beginning was I was shooting 4x5 to force me to plan the image. Uh, technically, I would recommend that to any starting photographer or any anyone starting to create images because the, the, the limitation of poses that you can shoot force you to plan every single combination, every single angle, every single element in your image. And shooting 4x5 was for me the best way to learn and to, to improve myself because when you're shooting with two, three, four, five models at the same time with a set, with so you need to combine every, uh, every element in your image and think about that. It's not like, oh, it's digital. I can shoot 100 shots. 
and see in the end what works the best. No, it's you have to visualize your image, combine, compose, and then shoot. And, and the price, imagine the price of one 4x5 film was the price of one uh, 36 exposure film to process. So you can't do 100 shots. I mean, you have to do one you can afford to do. As a photographer, I could afford to do, I mean, for personal work, I was able to afford, like, let's say 10 films, which is almost nothing. I mean, for one image, you only use 10 shots to find the perfect image. So, and then once you start to work more, then you can afford to do like 20 films or 50 films. And if you have a client, then you can go to a hundred shot, but even a hundred shot to get one image. If you think about people shooting digital, in digital, you can shoot 200 or 300 films. I mean, 300 shots to get the perfect shots. It really does make a lot of sense that you would want to start out that way because in my opinion, it teaches you to be respectful of the convenience as well. Yeah. The thing holds for film editing where, you know, originally people had to shoot camera film and then develop that and then edit manually using a physical razor and tape that you would tape the shots together. Yeah. And then all these very special processes to create things like dissolves and anything beyond that in terms of special effects was a, a really serious endeavor. And now you have digital editing software mm. that allows you to make these decisions in the multitudes at no cost beyond what you've paid to use the software itself. And when you have an understanding of the origins and the challenges of these conveniences, I think it helps you make more informed choices as an artist yeah uh, it's completely true i mean because of digital it's very easy to shoot a lot and not to go and lose yourself basically in your creation because you don't know where you're going like you can be in front of a blank page it's almost like that and with the digital you can try this or that and change the color but then in the end it's like you have so many options that it's too much. So working with some restrictions actually force you to focus on one direction, to focus on one thing that you like. And I think for me, that's why, I mean, starting with the 4x5 camera was definitely the best thing I've learned from because it's helping me to focus on, okay, this is the idea I want to do. And I'm not going to lose my way because you can start with an idea and with digital, we'll be like, oh, that's a nice option too. So then you go to the something else and then you lose tracks of where you started. And to me, losing this direction can be an issue, I think, in the, in, in the creation. That's why I prefer to have this vision in mind and then just work from that and, uh, and, and then from that just move forward. That makes so much sense. As far as your digital photography career, what are some personal highlights for you? I would say my best shoot is always the next one that I'm doing. That's what I used to say when I was shooting photography because I had an amazing career. I mean, I was shooting in uh, this campaign for PlayStation. I've been shooting with uh, with Daft Punk. I've been shooting with Black Eyed Peas. Having shoot in LA, like I, I can remember once shooting in LA, shooting an elephant. So the shoot itself was not something incredible, but meeting, I mean, this, this, uh, this first shoot with an elephant was an amazing experience. And as a photographer, this is why I think photography or photogrammetry, it took me to places or to situations that I would have never had the, the opportunity to have in the, doing something else. Or being on an helicopter with the door open hanging out of the, the window, you know, shooting the tail of the helicopter into the sunset. These are the kind of experience. It's not the reason why I was photographer, but this is where photography took me. But in terms of image, it's to me, it's always the, the next step, the next image, the next uh, creation that is the most attracting. I mean, in terms of if we're just talking about image and creation, I'm not stuck in something that I've done in the past. For me, the creation is a necessity of every day. And sometimes I need some 
time some more to to reflect to think about what i'm going to do next but that's definitely the next uh, my next project that is the most exciting i'm focusing mostly on the next project and never focus on something from the past and i remember for playstation for example when i had the award for for playstation that was in 2003 but i shot the image in 2002 so for me it was already an image from the past and people were like wow that's great i was like yeah it's great but i'm on the next step already you know there is always some kind of time difference between what's happening and where you are i love it it's all about being on the path forward focusing on the moment and moving on from there i really love that outlook i'm curious that inspiration and that desire to always be focusing on the next creation. Is that what led you from digital photography into photogrammetry? Yes. Um, it's hard to, to, to put me in a box because that's the thing with me is that I'm always thinking about next. And when I say next, it's the creation, but it's also using uh, technology. Technology is not the end for me, but technology helps me to achieve things that I couldn't have done otherwise. Photogrammetry, for example, took me from, when you use Photoshop, it's great to combine pieces of image together and create something out of it. But photogrammetry is like Photoshop 10 times stronger because you can scan, like I did for Olympus, for Odyssey, uh, I can scan a statue that is 2000 years old and then combine it with pure digital assets and create my own world. So it's giving more flexibility, more option to create from scratch. You can scan, I mean, during my different trip, I can scan statues, I can scan trees, I can scan texture, I can scan anything around me. I don't care about the light, I don't care about anything like that. It's just that you can use these different assets and then recombine that all together in the 3D uh, software. So the technology is just a tool to make the creation more accessible, more flexible, and to achieve things like, as a photographer, I was always in between photography and sculpture, I think. Like even as a photographer, people were considering my art as plastic photography because it was a lot of about the sculpture, about textures, about shapes. So I'm not I'm not good at spontaneous photography, for example, or you know, I'm not that's not something I'm I like. Uh, I like to create from scratch. And the photography took me from this sculpture, from this plastic photography to something more physical, like the print, like printing porcelain. So it's basically, as a photographer, you can go from photography to sculpture or something that is more, you know, in between all these different medias. Sort of a microcosmic world building situation completely uh thank you you understand the point i started with photography because that's what i studied basically and i think 20 or 30 years ago it wasn't easy when you were a photographer when you study something you had to keep on where where you were nowadays that's what technology gives you it's it's opening new doors so i would say from photography you can go to directing you can go to sculpting you can go because using the 3d printing gives you this ability to print what you had in mind and that was not possible 20 or 30 years ago if you were a photographer you had to stay a photographer and was or you had to learn sculpting and so, so it was another like five years to learn and it wasn't easy now this flexibility in terms of uh, of i mean the technology uh, it's just giving everyone the ability to change or learn or giving the evolution of something absolutely it's not about the technology it's about the technology as a means to an end the tools it provides to give you the flexibility to open up your imagination and create the things that you want to create now as far as photogrammetry can you give me a little bit of a rundown on what it is exactly and what you feel is valuable about that format in terms of creating digital art and NFTs? 
sure you have time to talk about that because <laughs> that's my i mean that's definitely photogrammetry for me is the it's, it's an endless subject basically photogrammetry is some kind of 3d photography taking a lot of uh, a bunch of pictures of a subject and then the, the software will combine all these images together and create a 3d asset from these images. From this asset, then you can delight, which is removing the light that is on it, and import it in any kind of, uh, of 3D software. And from that, based on the different assets you will have scanned, you will be able to combine them and create your own world. Why I do believe in, uh, in photogrammetry? Because it's, for an artist, it's the freedom of creation. Right now, a 3D, uh, a 3D artist needs to buy the assets from library. But if you're able to scan your, your own elements, then you're able to create something even more personal than you would have done buying assets that are common to everyone. Coming from photography for me and using Photoshop, it was very, very important to be able to, when I was shooting a campaign or personal, uh, personal work, my work was not only to do the Photoshop. My work is to select the table that you see in the shot, the, the lights that you see in the shot, the models that you see in the shot. And when you select, when you do a casting, it's a part of your work. I mean, the, the, it's a part of your identity. And as a um, creator or 3D artist or whatever you call it, uh, I think selecting your own asset and being able to scan your own asset gives you even more personality because you will be able then to scan, I don't know, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your parents, your family, your, your whoever you want, or the house from your family or, I mean, whatever house that you like or whatever assets that you like. So you will be able to make it even more personal than just buying a 3D asset from a library. Yeah, it sounds like the possibilities really are very personal and in a sense limitless in terms of what you can bring into a digital space, manipulate, create, and turn into that form of art. And I know that the Genesis collection, really the foundation of it is photogrammetry. I would love to hear you explain what the Genesis collection is what inspired you to create it, and how you feel about the work that you have uh, made available to the public through the Odyssey Genesis Collection? So the the Genesis Collection is based, I mean, was first uh, a great collaboration with Live the Life, because when he contacted me to, to work on this project and say, we would like you to be your, our Genesis artist and, uh, and create something based on history, on Rome, on uh, just to match this concept of Odyssey, Olympus. Uh, so we were, we were first starting to think, okay, maybe we should, I should scan statues from Greece or from, you know, Roma. And we finally discovered that the statue that we were looking for and that has this personality were actually a few blocks away from where I live. They were in Barcelona. And so the whole trip, the whole thing was like, okay, no need to, to, to fly anywhere. Just going to meet the, the, um, the conservatory. How do you call that? You know, from uh, antique store, but it's, it's more antique than antique because they only have statues and, uh, and things that are like more than a thousand years old. So it's uh, archaeology. I think it's an archaeology store. So the whole statues the, that we select were actually Rome from the Roman era and themselves being copy of the Greek era, which is something that I really like because the Roman were already making a copy of another culture. And what I did 2,000 years later was actually to use these Roman statues and put it in my own style and my own world and basically making a teleportation of statues from the physical world into the digital world, uh, which we call now metaverse or whatever. Uh, but once, since I have the scans, these statues can easily be brought to, uh, to a metaverse. So to me was to create this loop in time and this 
concept of um, of recycling of creation is most of the time a recycling of known things and creation it's a concept of now the world needs i mean and we, we really need to to have this this preservation of the culture of the of our roots and working with uh with statues from the roman era is uh is definitely this for me i mean the the, the roman era is just one of the most impressive and most uh, important work in terms of art uh even nowadays yeah i love that idea of preserving these ancient and important pieces of our history in this way digitally. And I also love the idea that you can take these objects and then turn them into pieces of digital art by adding whatever elements you as an artist want to combine, right? To create an original piece. You know, I'm very familiar with these Genesis NFTs and I have to say on their own visually, they're incredibly striking pieces of artwork, marrying these ancient artifacts with your modern artistry and design, I find it to be mesmerizing and evocative. This microcosmic world that you've created, it also kind of makes me wonder, well, what lies beyond the boundaries of what I'm able to see in here? But then you took another step and you added sound design. What was the inspiration for adding the audio to these pieces? I think the audio is, like you're saying, it's really part of the, the, the mood of the, the ambience I'm creating. I couldn't imagine a video without a sound. Like this sound is definitely a part of the story. I mean, when you look at it, it's like you're saying, it's mesmerizing, but it's, it's also because of the sound. I mean, if you have the images by themselves, that's something you can play in your living room or on your computer, wherever. The sound is grabbing your attention your the the and it goes with the with the images i can't imagine a video with these statues without a sound and the sound is a mix also uh, as this kind of digital mood you don't know if you're inside another world inside a digital world no i understand what you're saying the audio is an integral component of the piece it, exactly. it can't exist without it and I agree, it is so arresting and it adds such an amazing depth to the piece. And I love that you're exploring that and that you're making that available for us as appreciators of art and collectors of art. It's, it's the beginning of this whole new work that I'm doing. In terms of career, I was doing photography and then for, with the photogrammetry, I had to learn everything. So I started from scratch and learned the photogrammetry and it's, it's still a technology that is not perfect. It's not always working the way you would like it to work. The software still, there is still an evolution almost every six months. And creating this, uh, these videos with the photogrammetry, I like the mix, the confrontation of these very pure digital assets that are very raw on every videos all the video itself is created from the scans. So the whole landscape, the whole structures that are around the, the statues are actually elements from the raw scans of these statues. And for me, it was the importance of mixing these two ambience. I mean, the raw scan, I mean, the, the statue like it was, like not make it perfect, not make it 3D, you know, I could have make it very clean, very sleek, very 3D aspect, but I wanted to keep the original statue just like they were. And where you can see all the imperfection, you can see the time that went onto this, this sculpture. And this mixed with the 3D assets, the broken scan, the, the, to create this old world, a combination of past, present and future and a confrontation of texture, this transportation of elements from the real life into the, uh, the digital life. Yeah, I think it's amazing that these pieces really do push us in so many ways, not only with respect to technology, but with respect to perception as well. And with respect to perception, I'm just curious, what do you think about these these different methods of displaying both the digital and the physical art? It's very complementary. And my dream would be to have this exhibition with the original piece, I mean, this original sculpture, 
that I use. That would be just amazing. Being able to have this confrontation between the stone, between the marble and videos uh, installation around it. The sculpture is something very important. The touch, the, the feel. I'm a big fan of the digital world, but also I think it needs to have the support of the, the physical world. The digital is an extension of the, of the physical world. It's opening new spaces. That's where photogrammetry to me can be like yard where you keep the things from your family, where you keep your, your souvenir. The photogrammetry could be in the future a way to store your souvenir. Imagine you might be keeping the, the shoes of your kids, for example, from when they were like two years old or just as a souvenir. But this is taking space in your house and our houses are becoming smaller and smaller. So with photogrammetry, we can scan these elements and we keep it on cyberspace. So we would be able to have our own museum where we keep our souvenir. So instead of keeping everything in storage, you could keep this souvenir on your personal museum and it would be much easier to share it with your friend and it would be much easier to review it in time. I love that. It actually feels like photogrammetry could be an avenue for people to take their own lives and memories and experiences and become artists by just bringing those into that digital space and making them available for other people to see in a way that resonates with them. Exactly. If you live in New York, for example, where your spaces are so small, uh, or in Paris or in London, where can you store your memory? Where can you store your, you know, your, your family uh, heritage? And I think this is where the photogrammetry could be an amazing step. I mean, my father died, for example, and if I look at a photography of him, I'm emotional, but it's a photography. And, but if you take a scan of the people that you love, I think the relation of looking at a scan would be completely different mm. because you could be facing a 3D volume. I mean, and I'm not even talking about animation or anything like that, but just in terms of portrait, the relation, the, the souvenir would be completely different. We're just entering a new, new, new world, a new, new opportunities, and uh, yeah, absolutely. And to your point about space, the accumulation of things in people's lives. I think, regardless of what kind of property you live in or how much storage space you have, there are certain things that you want to keep, but you don't necessarily want to have to be responsible for protecting that physical item forever and ever and ever. Exactly, and. This gives you an opportunity to preserve the sentimental value of that object, but also allow you to let that object go. I think there's a lot of freedom in that. But it's also a way to give value to things. Like if you have a collection, for example, of, I don't know, like uh, dummies or things like that, your collection are in boxes or in your house, but basically very, very few people can see it. But if you have all your collection scanned, then you can make your personal museum and you can share that without risk then it can be a way to give more value to monetize your collection because sharing this then suddenly can be accessible to everyone around the planet so if you have an, an amazing collection of i don't know 2000 uh, dummies like antique like porcelain i mean dolls and things like that you could meet all the collectors around the world you could let people in and visit your digital museum. And so you will be giving more value to your collection because then suddenly a lot of people could see it. A lot of people could, I don't know, like buy or at least try to buy it. And I think that's where this concept of NFT is based on. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say that when you marry the NFT component to a digital object, right, that has personal value to you, you've scanned into the metaverse and give it this digital record of authenticity that you can verify on the blockchain. That really, I think, ties it all together. It, it's not only personal, but it belongs to you and you can prove it. And it gives it a legitimacy that goes beyond the personal connection. I think when people start to explore that and present these parts of their lives to us, 
we're going to see a whole new avenue of art. But this is why for me it was important to create for the, the Odyssey project to use original statues that were 2000 years old because they are unique and it's not something that I bought your set of a generic Greek or Roman statue. I decided which statue, I scanned them, I was able to see the work of the sculpture that are 2000 years old. And so they're not just Greek assets. No, there are assets that I choose, that I scan, and that are unique into the digital world. And this is where also it's very important to me. I could imagine someone buying the NFT and one day saying, oh, I can afford to buy this statue and buy the statue itself. So they can have the NFT and the original statue. But knowing that these statues also are very expensive because they're very old, because they're, they're, you know, they were probably part of some palais in, uh, in Roma at one time. So there is this old thing behind it that, uh, that I think is important also to know and uh, to keep in mind that, uh, again, they are not just generic Greek uh, assets or Greek statues. They are selected on purpose for this project and that no one else will have. I'm the only owner of the, the, the assets, of the 3D assets. And I was actually thinking maybe, maybe I should destroy the, the scans but that's something i have in mind and uh yeah oh, that's interesting as far as other people who are looking to get into photogrammetry aspiring artists and so forth do you have any advice first i'm i'm always happy to uh to answer i mean if people ask questions or anything i'm i'm always happy to to share my uh, knowledge and that, that's something uh, it's my passion i mean i'm passionate about what i'm doing but i would say it's still not very easy so you need to be quite motivated to enter that because you'll have to learn uh 3d software but then the the possibility behind it are just amazing so you can start scanning even with your phone. The scan quality won't be the best, but it's already something you can play with and import that into, uh, into 3D software. And that's already, you know, it's a beginning, like me cutting out the, 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 the record from my parents. You know, you can cut out the photo that you like and combine and make a collage and make something very simple. And then the next step is definitely uh, then to enter the quality of the scan and enter for the animation, for example, it's entering another dimension because to be able to animate, it becomes a little bit technical, but already just to make a simple image or a simple animation, uh, it's quite exciting. I mean, if you're on a, on, a, on a road tree, for example, in the desert and you see a cactus that you like, you can scan it. You don't need to bring it home. You just scan the statue, the, 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 the cactus that you like. And then you see on another trip, you see, I don't know, like a skull or a statue that you like. You, you can scan it and then you can combine these two elements to create something that you, you've never seen, but that you would like to see together. It's amazing when I mean, it's technically something that is creatively, that has no limits. Yeah, it does sound like the possibilities are really wild. Are there any other photogrammetry projects that you're working on right now that you want to tell us about? I'm actually setting up a company of photogrammetry <laughs> uh, because this is definitely something that I really believe in. Uh, and so I'm teaching photogrammetry in uh, a university. I'm making master class into uh, Barcelona University to, to learn the photogrammetry and all the tricks. And so I'm working on different projects with dancers and also making a relation between a digital uh, asset and a physical asset uh, working on a, with an artist with a French artist on that I uh, don't want to say more really more about it but it's like how do you locate uh, NFT into the meta, into the digital world and locate it into the physical world uh, so that's a project I'm working on right now that's very exciting what level of interest do you think people in your community of artists have in participating in the NFT space? My connections, my world, they are made of two kinds of people. One is are the photographers. Um, I would say most of the 
photographers are kind of hesitating when we're talking about NFT, but there are many of them that I would love to take into the, the NFT community because they have amazing work. They're feeling like, mm, yes, but why should I enter NFT if I'm a photographer? Um, I like the prints. I like, you know, so for a photographer to make this step, to go from, uh, from a print to an NFT, which is people are saying, and uh, they are just JPEGs. What I answer to that is like, if I make a print, I can make 50 prints of the same image. The only print that has a value is the one that I signed. If I, if I make 50 prints and sign just one, the only valuable print is the one that is signed. The other has no value. It's exactly the same with NFT. NFT is basically giving a value to a JPEG. So you have thousands of JPEGs that has no value because they're not signed, they're not they have no number on it. The one that is an NFT that has the NFT on is the one that has the value because that's the one I signed digitally. So that's where I would like to convince some of my photographer friends to enter the NFT because they have an amazing work and I think they would have more opportunity to sell their work with this market. I'm also connected to digital artists that are not coming from photography. That's from the second part of my work where, for example, I'm trying to propose them to work with photogrammetry, sign their creation, like virtually sign their scan, because I think that's something that will come in the future. Every artist that is able to sign his own scan can be a, a scan from a tag or a just something that makes it recognizable from an artist. Like you would buy a sculpture from Picasso, from Dali, from whoever it is. There is a signature on it. So as a 3D artist, you should be able to to sign your, your scan when you scan that. I mean, yeah, like with NFTs, especially photography, you can still do an artist proof. You can still create levels of rarity, even with the signature of the artist, right? You could release a certain amount of NFTs of one specific artwork and make them have different levels of value. Is that right? Like you can have one that's an artist proof, and then you can have one that is for serious collectors, but not that rare. And then you can have one that's like a print that you could buy at an art store but it's still an NFT, but it doesn't have the same value as these higher tiered versions of this piece of art based on what kind of NFT it is, right? Yes, correct. Uh, I mean, the artist proof is, is something that all artists need uh, because it's a way to give more value to any uh, available prints or NFT. The artist proof is basically the, the copy that I keep for myself to be able to show my work in exhibitions, in, uh, in shows. So it's, it's very important for an artist to keep this proof. Uh, like if I'm doing uh, an exhibition in Paris tomorrow, I would need to be able to show my NFT. So it won't be the NFT itself, but will be a copy, which will be only for my personal use as an artist and to share my work. Then there are also uh, copies, I mean, NFT or print that can be sold. Uh, it depends on the side, the number of uh, the quality of the print or the quality, not of the NFT, but the, um, like you were saying, the, the number of copies of the NFT. You can sell an image as like 30 or 20 copies or a one-on-one -on -one, uh, NFT. So it's it's also in terms of, um, how do you call that, utility. Uh, some can have an utility, some can just be a nice uh, print for your, for your living room. Right, and now you can create gallery prints from these NFTs. And I think if photographers are concerned about the way that these NFTs can be displayed from a physical standpoint, those avenues are opening up and those possibilities are available to these creators and these collectors. We are entering this whole new realm of possibilities with respect to how 
artists can not only present their art, but how collectors can display that art. And it's really exciting to me that you are so well-versed in these opportunities and are exploring them, educating others about them and educating other people about photogrammetry. I know I definitely want to learn as much about that as I can. To me, the creation about the photogrammetry also goes with all this virtual installation you can you can make uh we're talking a lot about the metaverse and uh to me the metaverse is just uh, a new way to set up your personal uh, website so you can basically create uh, a different experience user experience where you'll be able to enter my world not on a 2d page but on on a physical space and if i'm able to connect my space to your space via some kind of doors or windows, then this is the real metaverse. So we can talk about metaverse like sandbox, like, you know, these kind of big metaverses, but the real metaverse will be the one you and I and everyone around us will be creating where we will be able to expose our vision or life or thoughts and connect them between us. So I will be able to enter your metaverse, which will be your room, basically. It will be just an extra room of your house, of your apartment, where we will be able to meet, to discuss, and together we will be able to see, to meet someone else on a different space that is connected to yours and to mine. That's the real metaverse, where everyone will have his own space, his own vision of what is around him and where you can be able to to present your art your 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 video with whatever you want your life or whatever yeah and i think that level of personal connection is the difference between metaverse as a pastime as an escape as mm -hmm. an avenue for commerce and metaverse as a communal utopia that would just be endlessly fascinating to explore, like so personal and so originally artistic. And if you're able to connect and share, I mean, if you come to my space and you like my art and you want to hear me talking about it, then we can definitely connect at a very different level. I will be able to get, uh, how do you say, like a meeting, like uh, an event around that and answer all your questions and create all this mood, all this uh, very high level of connections with people. It's like a mix between Discord and like a virtual gallery, like, uh, yeah, it's, it's a completely different. And like you were saying, uh, with the physical side of it, like the, because we, we are in a digital world, you can order a print that will be printed anywhere because it's digital. The print quality is the same. Uh, I mean, based on some data that I can give, uh, you can definitely get all the, the data that needs to make the print available everywhere. The connections really are so diverse. And to think about the metaverse as this avenue of communal consciousness, it really does feel like we're opening up the possibility of actually being able to physically see into people's thoughts yeah. in the way that they want those thoughts to be presented. That's, that's really nuts to me that we have this innovation unfolding right now in our lives. It really does make this such an especially amazing time, I think, to exist, especially from an artistic standpoint, but also from a human standpoint. We really are making these truly unheard of connections it makes the digital art space that much more exciting and exciting and accessible i'm thinking about an artist that i really like his work is based in argentina for example and he's the one responsible why i am into nft uh, because he was at once telling me uh, dimitri is the daft punk images are from yours and i was like yeah that's mine and the playstation images are from yours yes they're also mine he's like you're the worst photographer i know in terms of pr because everyone know your work but they never connected to your name so this guy was actually based in argentina and i guess from argentina if you think about it like 10 20 years ago 
would have been very complicated for him to get into a worldwide art market. And he has clients now everywhere from Canada, Europe, people are buying his art everywhere in the world. But that wouldn't, wouldn't have been possible even 10 years ago. And I think that's a revolution because you can find people that like your work everywhere and being close to them in no time where it would have needed maybe 10 years of his time to be able to do that yeah, 10, 20 years ago. Yeah, it's wild. Web3 really has cracked open the opportunity for people. It really is the redistribution of opportunity, not only from a artistic standpoint, but from a global standpoint. Yeah, completely. Well, Dimitri, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time today to have this conversation with me. It's been endlessly fascinating and continues to be to know you as a person and as an artist. I'm really excited for you about the Odyssey collection and people's ability to own that artwork and experience it and to see what value it brings to them as holders for the Odyssey marketplace as well. And I definitely cannot wait to see what else you bring into the space and what else you bring into the world. Thank you so much for your time today and thank you for this conversation. It's been wonderful. Thank you, Flame. I could talk about photogrammetry for hours <laughs> and if people want to ask me anything again i mean that's really something i like to talk about and to share it's been a real pleasure to be here and discuss that with you and whenever you want i'll be discussing in more time and or more into details or whatever needed my pleasure that was an incredible conversation with Dimitri. Again, we really appreciate his time and absolutely appreciate his contribution to the Odyssey NFT experience. The artwork is incredible. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, please do. I'm sure he has much more amazing stuff in the pipeline, and I can't wait to see what's next. We have another great guest lined up for our next episode. Please don't miss it. You'll be able to find it along with all other episodes wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Thank you for continuing to support Odyssey, art, and innovation. See you soon.